Have fantasy football questions you need answered before you draft? Don't miss Locked On Fantasy Live on Wednesday, August 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern, streaming on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Subscribe now so you don't miss it. Our stable of fantasy experts will answer your questions live or submit them ahead of time to at Locked On Network on Twitter. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JYarko underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. would like to welcome in all of our new and returning listeners. If you're new to the show, please subscribe, leave a five-star review. It does help other Buccaneers fans find us. And James Buccaneers football was back this weekend as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fell at home to the visiting Cincinnati Bengals 19 to 14. And my prediction of being beat by backup quarterback once again came true. The curse is alive, although it doesn't count. So nobody really cares. Uh, but stemming from that act action, the Buccaneers made three roster moves on Sunday to uh, to get their roster trimmed down a little bit, releasing, waving tight end Daquan Hampton, cornerback Cameron Kinley, and wide receiver Josh Pearson. So what are your thoughts about uh, those three moves before we get into the Buccaneers gameplay and our thoughts on what we saw on the field in segment two? Nothing surprising by any means. I do feel really bad for Cameron Kinley, and I'm sure all of our well-informed and educated listeners remember Cameron Kinley was the guy who played for the Navy and was told that he wasn't going to get an exemption to pursue his NFL dreams, and he was going to have to report for his active duty. It kept going higher and higher up the chain until finally he did get the exemption, but by then he had missed rookie minicamp, he had missed OTAs, he had missed regular minicamp, and he was way, way, way behind the eight ball. So although, you know, he had a couple of moments in, in camp and, you know, he didn't really shine on on Saturday night, it's not really a surprise that somebody that started off so far behind just wasn't able to make up the ground and and be able to make the roster. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't I don't feel bad for Cameron Kinley, to be quite honest with you. I think that what he has is, is a life experience uh that that he's been able to carry with him and honestly next off season you know if the buccaneers are willing to invite him back to camp or for rookie camps or tryouts and stuff like that now there's a precedent set for him uh for the navy to allow him to do so and there have been several other players uh, in the history of the game who basically go to camps they, they play in the preseason and then at the end of the preseason they go back to service uh, and they do uh, the job they they contracted for and look it's it's not that i don't feel bad for him i feel bad for anybody who doesn't get to live out you know their life's dream and everything but uh trust me he's not he's not exactly being left on the streets to go bag groceries like some of these guys are he's going to a, a fairly good career himself but listen uh, the, the the biggest thing that stood out about kinley uh, in the preseason game was the fact uh was the penalty the penalty they earned, which I think the penalty was technically for what it was for hitting a defenseless receiver, but in actuality it was for leading with his head. Listen, uh, if you go back and, and watch that play, first of all, he comes in, you know, he, he comes in on a, on a high receiver the receivers in the air and he launches up at him. And, and that's, you know, old school football. That's how you do it. But 
old school football, new school football. I don't care what what class of football you're playing in. You don't ever lead with your head down and hit somebody with the crown of your helmet. That is, uh, you know, any any defender that ever did that back in the day. I mean, uh, there was the quarterback. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head now who went to celebrate a touchdown and, and did it and ended up giving himself a stinger. And uh, I, I tweeted from the Lockdown Bucks account. I said, oh, you know, that's, that's a real good way to get yourself hurt um, very severely. And listen, go back and watch the play. He goes up. He hits the guy. He hits him with the crown of his helmet. He immediately reaches James for the back of his neck. Now, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he thought his chain came loose or I don't know if he wears a chain. You know, that's that's a, the, I think he had a stinger. I think he hit the guy. He hit the receiver, the Bengals receiver, and he got him. He gave himself a stinger, and that's incredibly dangerous. I mean, that, that's that's how you, uh, you know, you cause neck injuries and, and potential other problems, neurological problems, skeletal problems. So, I mean, honestly, man, like if it, it might be better for, for Cameron Kinley to not go back on the field after that, and, and I understand he can learn from his mistakes, but that was a very bad hit uh, that he delivered, honestly, to himself. Um, so I'm happy to, that he's off the field healthy, you know, after that hit, of course, but he's he's going to uh, to a career now that he has been highly trained for, has a college degree to to do. Um, and, and trust me, he'll be he'll be just fine. Uh, Josh Pearson might be actually the one I'm surprised about, not because from a depth chart standpoint, I expected Josh Pearson to make the roster by any means. I just feel like with the amount of receivers they have that maybe, especially with health being a question at some point in time, they might try to keep a hold of Josh until, you know, as, as long as they could. And there's, there's still plenty of wide receiver depth. Of course, I don't think anybody's surprised uh, by the release of Daquan Hampton, but uh, James, something before because there are players left behind right so before we get into our total conversations because i don't think it's really going to come up uh tanner hudson right was someone that was called out specifically by bruce arians and he showed up pretty good i mean he's shown up for a lot of preseason action during his career but he showed up pretty well uh now mostly in receiving roles like where we know tanner to do not so much in the blocking but do you think tanner hudson got himself out of the bruce arians doghouse on uh friday night or on saturday night not yet, because he, like you said, he he made all of his moves in the receiving game. He wasn't out there blocking anybody, and that's what he got called out for by Bruce Arians. So, yeah, I would say Daquan Hampton and Josh Pearson, I was less surprised by either of those choices than I was Cameron Kinley. Pearson just did not help himself much on, uh, on Saturday night. And uh, real quick, David, the quarterback – that you were looking for uh, was legend Gus Ferrat. Yeah. Better known to many uh... as Gus for not, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be, love it. I wouldn't be putting any money on Cameron Kenley racing back to his long-term career. He could end up on a practice squad. He could get claimed off waivers. Um, but if I was going to put my money down on any sporting events, it would be with our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. Get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus 
on your first deposit with promo code locked on. Again, promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Segment two here at the Locked On Bucks podcast, David Harrison and James Jarko on Twitter at dharrison82 at jarko underscore bucks and the show at Locked On Bucks. Now we're going to dive deeper into our conversation about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' 19 to 14 loss uh, suffered at the hands of the Cincinnati Bengals. So Tom Brady's team goes out on the field for the first time since Super Bowl, James, since February, uh, and they very quickly get handed a loss to a backup quarterback named Brandon Allen. So I mean, I think the main question we have to discuss is. Does this signal the end for Tom Brady? No. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page there. So obviously a whole lot of nothing, right? And listen, Bucks fans aren't actually out there uh, freaking out, but we do have some Bucks fans who are freaking out over some of the good things that happen. So before we get into our thoughts, James, let's hear from our good buddy Matt down in Morvin, Georgia. What's up, Locked On Bucks Nation? This is Matt from Morvin, Georgia. I got my three sons right here. I got Troy. Y'all know Troy. He calls in regularly. I got his little brothers, Hank and Nash, and we're in here watching the preseason Bucks game. We're all fired up. We got to see a touchdown already. We celebrated with some touchdown treats, some Reese Cups, and we had the bonus turnover treat added to that from the Levante David turnover. So we're pumped up. We're ready to fire those cannons. What do you say, guys? You want to do a little Buccaneers cheer here for the Lockdown Bucks Nation? Yeah. B-U-C-C-A-N. E-E-R-S-B-U-C-C-A-S-E-E-R-S. Let's go, boys. Fire those cannons. Go, but I love those phone calls. Those right there are the absolute best. Now, I don't know if they were as enthusiastic and excited as the uh, the game was winding down. But David, let's let's give our overall thoughts on the game and then we can, you know, give our biggest takeaways both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. And I will defer to you, good sir, to uh, to give your overall thoughts on the preseason loss, other than the fact that you think Tom Brady is <laughs> old and busted and should have retired after the Super Bowl. Listen, uh, Tom Brady and started a game in which the Buccaneers lost to Brandon Allen and the Cincinnati Bengals. I just, I think this automatically means that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will probably have a top five pick in next year's draft. And I don't think that uh, you can accuse me of, of overreacting to anything. So obviously overall um, you like first and foremost, seeing the starters get off the field healthy. They get on, uh, they, they hit each other. They, they're not hit each other, but they hit, you know, somebody in different uniform for the first time this you know NFL season. Uh, and, and they do some good things. You know, again, you can't you can't put a grade on the starting rosters, you know, performance because they weren't on the field long enough uh, to put a grade on anything, and that's what you want from them. Now, you don't want to see Tom Brady uh, getting sacked, but like Bruce Arians uh, talked about, what he's, I, you know, I'm paraphrasing here because I can't remember the exact quote. Basically, said he folded up uh, like a cheap tent when he when he saw the defender coming. That's exactly what you want to see the greatest quarterback of all time do in preseason is fold, you know, faster than Brett Favre giving uh, Michael Strahan a record that he doesn't deserve. Now, Yikes. going beyond that, look, I liked what we saw uh, out of Blaine Gabbert. I know we have takeaways specifically coming by, like we saw out of Blaine Gabbert and, and moving forward. And I think as you went down the list, and and listen, I don't know about everybody else, but you know, for one, I covered two teams, so I obviously had to watch multiple preseason games uh, this week. I did watch the Hall of Fame game, which started off with backups, right? 
And then I watched bits and pieces of a little of, of other preseason games just over my football watching years. You notice that especially in the first, usually first two preseason games, but really this year, the first preseason game, there is a very obvious, you know, degrade, de- degradation of NFL talent the deeper you get into the game, which is why, why I tweeted at one point uh, from the Lots on Bucks Twitter account that the fact that Rondé Barber disclosed that he's seen at least two defensive formations from Todd Bowles' unit that he never saw during the 2020 NFL season might be the most exciting thing to happen in the second half of that game. And I wasn't completely wrong other than when Kyle Trask walked onto the field. That was uh, there was there was an ovation there that I was honestly not expecting. You know, no shade to Kyle Trask. I just didn't think Buccaneers fans were going to cheer as loudly as they did for Kyle Trask to step on the field uh, for the first time, but they did. And so overall, I mean, the starters got healthy or got off the field healthy. You saw the return of, you know, OJ Howard got back on the field for the first time since he got injured. So that's great. And then the young guys looked like young guys. We'll get into more specifics here in a minute, but that's essentially my overall takeaway, which means successful preseason week one. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that front. Um, like you said, no major injuries, and that's always a very important thing to to worry about. But my overall takeaway was that it was just a sloppy, ugly game. Um, and again, it's preseason. The starters were out there for for one drive apiece. Uh, the offensive drive didn't end all that great, you know, with Tom Brady taking a sack. But the defensive drive ended with a Levante David takeaway. So, um, you know, nothing really to write home about there. And yeah, other than that, I mean, there was just there was a lot of sloppy play by the defense, especially on on one drive in particular that I'll get into a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, my overall takeaway was it was the first preseason game. It's not going to be pretty. It's really not going to be all that entertaining. There are certain things to watch or certain things to watch for. But, you know, there were there were no major injuries. And that is the most mm-hmm. important and, and my biggest takeaway. But, David, let's talk about your uh, your biggest offensive takeaway from this game. Yeah, I mean, going into it specifically, you know, looking at the offense, like I mentioned in our last episode last week, I really wanted to see Tyler Johnson come out and I really wanted to kind of keep an eye on uh, on what he was going to do because of, you know, just the reports come out of camp that he came in a little out of shape. He, he acknowledged that himself publicly and, and all those things. And you just wanted to see if he looked comfortable on the field. And to me, he did look comfortable. I mean, two targets, one catch, 11 yards. So again, you're not going to, you know, uh, you're not going to file a full blown scouting report based off of this performance. But he didn't look, you know, there, there's not going to be any uh, fat Kelvin tweets being sent out by Trevor Sycamore or anything like that about Tyler Johnson. Um, so that was good. And then I, I like how much the Buccaneers try to get Jalen Darden involved in the game. Now, he, only, he ends up with two catches on six targets uh, for 19 yards, but I thought he looked good in, in a lot of his breaks. Uh, I thought he looked good, you know, out there trying to catch the ball. I mean, there's there's certain, you know, aspects of some of the passes that went his way where you could just tell some of the mechanics were off between the quarterback and receiver uh, and all those other things. And then kind of my final takeaway before I kick it over to you for the offense is Kyle Trask. Um, again, the stat line, not impressive for 15, 35 yards, 39.6 QBR. But listen, I, the way it looked to me that if you give Kyle Trask a better caliber of team around him, right? Again, playing with the third stringers, some fourth string type guys, if you give him a better caliber of player around him, because there were a couple of big passes that were basically dropped or a couple of, of I think it actually may have been Darden on one of the passes, or maybe it was Jaden Mickens. He went deep for me. You see the receiver basically looking up for the ball way too early uh, in the route. 
then you saw him getting coached up on the sideline there during the broadcast. They wanted to keep the arms chugging, keep getting downfield, get downfield, get downfield, look up for the ball. Not the last, last second, but as late as you possibly can track the ball. And that's just a young receiver is going to have to get used to tracking the ball a little bit later because in the NFL, DBs are too smart. You start looking up like that early on, and you're either going to underrun the ball like what happened on that pass, or DBs are going to catch up to you and get the and get the jump on you. So that those are just kind of lessons learned. But if Kyle Trask is throwing that ball to Scotty Miller AB, that's a touchdown, man. And, and I think Kyle Trask looked good for what he was working with. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what my takeaway is, is Trask did look good in, when he was actually getting some help, when he was getting some blocking, when his receivers weren't dropping passes and things of that nature. He looked like he was all right. And, and I had mentioned on Friday's show when you and I talked about it, I had seen flashes and the most impressive pass that I saw all training camp long was thrown by Kyle Trask. It was an absolute, just perfect, perfect pass. Um, and I saw somebody say this on Twitter, and I wanted to bring it up on this show because I, I completely agree. And for the life of me, I can't remember who it was that I saw tweeted out. So if it was you, please let me know. I will give you full credit on the Twitter machine. I want to see Kyle Trask next week against the Tennessee Titans playing in Ryan Griffin's spot. In fact, I might even go so far is as to say, I want to see Trask yeah. get the last possession with the twos because you know what Blaine Gabbard is. You mm -hmm. know what Ryan Griffin is. You need to put Kyle Trask out on the field with players surrounding him that aren't running the wrong routes, can actually protect him, players that could potentially be on the field if he's called upon to play in a game. Let's see what, what he is with actual NFL talent that yeah. will make a roster instead of guys that are battling for the last one or two special team spots. So I, I agree with you completely. Kyle Trask looked decent in spots, but I want to see him out there with a little bit. And, and I don't say that to sound like rude or disrespectful or mean, but I want to see him out there with a little bit more competent mm -hmm. team play rather than what we saw on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's rude. I mean, I, the bottom line is a lot of the guys Kyle Trask was playing with are either end up on practice squads or, you know, on the streets working out for their next, you know, opportunity next off season. So, I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. It's not, you know, uh, it's not taken away from the work they do or, or the quality of person that they are. It's just, that's, that's how it works. You know what I mean? Um, flipping over the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to lead Joe try on to you, man. I'm going to talk about the secondary and specifically the secondary depth. We had a question about that during the show last week and look, Ross Cockrell, uh, stepped up in moments. Antonio Hamilton balled out. Uh, her or uh, D Delaney made some plays. Javon Hagen made some plays. So I mean, really good to see the depth of that secondary getting involved uh, in the game and making some plays. Um, depth linebackers, even you know what I mean. So if you want to take it another step, uh, absolutely loved seeing KJ Britt uh, being in, as active and as involved as he is. Wearing the green dot with the second unit. That's important, guys. I think that's something. Uh, that needs to not be undersold is that KJ Britt lining up there with the second team next to Kevin Minter. It was KJ Britt setting the defense, lining everybody up. That is important. Grant Stewart looked good in moments, but he looked like Mr. Irrelevant and others, uh, specifically on that one big run. You know, he got into his gap, but he didn't set the gap well, uh, didn't fill the gap well, missed the tackle, and gave up a score. So um, overall, just just good performance from some of the depth pieces.
pieces because that was uh, the biggest question all offseason about this defense is the depth in the secondary. And I think that they uh, they did well in their first first outing of 2021. Yeah, outside of what was probably one of the most abysmal drives I've ever seen. And I realized Scott Smith, good friend of the show, Buccaneers.com, called me out on Twitter about it. Uh, you know, he said defense is a funny way to spell refs. Well, look, the Bucks completely imploded on that drive where they they intercepted the ball. And then without anybody, I can't even remember who who picked off the ball. No human being around him. And he just tosses it straight up into the air and the Bengals get it back. Well, then you had multiple penalties in the secondary um, giving you know on third down stops. You have multiple penalties giving the Bengals first downs, and then you have Joe Tryon's penalty for unnecessary roughness. And I was talking to Chef Aaron about this, and look, like it or not, that's the rule. Like, it was a great hit. That was an old-school Simeon Rice laying out Brett Favre kind of hit, but that's not the NFL that we play in anymore. Joe Tryon's helmet made contact with Allen's helmet. That's a penalty. The referees throw flags if your hand touches a quarterback's helmet. That is the NFL we live Mm -hmm. in today. So, yes, that was a great hit. I loved seeing it, you know, from from Tryon because he straight up laid the guy out. But as soon as something touches a quarterback's helmet, it is a penalty. It doesn't matter how hard it was. It's a penalty. So that's something that Tryon needs to learn that he needs to make sure that he gets that that head a little bit lower. Uh, and I realize we're going to complain about calls like that all year long, especially when a quarterback starts to tuck himself down and he's the one that ends up causing the helmet-to-helmet contact because the defender was lining up perfectly until the quarterback shrinks down. So I know Bruce Arians didn't like it. I know people on Twitter didn't like it. That's by the letter of the law, no. the correct call. And because what's, he, he made contact with the quarterback's helmet. Yeah, and what's funny about this, if you go back years and years, and, and I know we need to get in the break, but you go back years ago, it used to be, I don't know the exact wording, but it used to be like forceful contact with the quarterback's head, and then basically you would have flags thrown by one officiating crew for a hit that you could look back to an earlier game that day or in the season or whatever and say, look, the exact same hit happened in this game, and a flag wasn't thrown. So the NFL said, okay, fine. We'll take the ambiguity out of it. We'll take the, the decision-making and the autonomy out of it. We'll just say any contact with the quarterback's head is a penalty now. So uh, same reason why now all face masks are 15-yard penalties. There used to be there used yeah. to be some logic involved 15. there. Right. Yeah. You used to have that ability as an official. Now you don't. The, the NFL took that away because people were complaining about similar type penalties being called differently by different crews in different situations, different games, et cetera. So that's how we get to where we are today. And look, Joe Tryon, you know, I'm sure in the locker room, he was like, oh, that was BS. It shouldn't be a flag. Da-da. Got it. But at the end of the day, he stood at the podium. He said, yeah, I got to get better. I've got to learn from that. And I'm going to. And that's exactly what you want to hear from the young guy. Because the ironic thing about it, and I don't know every quarterback in the NFL, but I know a lot of quarterbacks probably agree. They would rather have Joe Tryon did do what Joe Tryon did to Brandon Allen versus lowering, taking now that shoulder into your rib cage and landing with all that muscle and mass on you on your rib cage. They would rather take the hit that he gave to Brandon Allen. But again, the reason the autonomy is gone from it is because of the discretion that caused different penalties to be called different ways. And, and that's how we get to where we are today. Absolutely. And, you know, something that Joe Tryon definitely won't be disappointed with 
is if he orders himself a nice box of built bars. You guys know the flavors. Coconut, raspberry, cherry, barcia, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. If you don't know what your favorite flavor is, go ahead and order yourself a mixed box and you are going to get two of each of those flavors so you can decide which one you love the best. Not only are they delicious, but they are definitely good for you. Each bar having anywhere from 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, four to five grams of sugar, four to five grams of net carbs. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off of your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at built.com. Today's episode also brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. You have a computer, you have a cell phone, you have a computer in your office, you have access to rockauto.com. Save time and money when using rockauto.com. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump will cost you $353 at one of the major chain stores, but will only cost you $216 from rockauto.com, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And they have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Things up here on a Monday edition of the Lock On Bucks podcast. James Yarko, David Harrison, BucksNation.com. Find us on Twitter at JRCO underscore Bucks at DHarrison82. David, right now, as we are recording, the NFL Top 100 is going on. They are unveiling their top 60 players on this list on, on the first night. Now, the rest of the schedule, they are going to reveal numbers 40 through 11 next Sunday. And then the top 10 will be revealed the Saturday after that. Uh, there are going to be six Buccaneers revealed during this, this segment of, uh, of the top 100. And as I said, right now, we are at number 74 as we are recording. So there have been three Bucks revealed, half of them. Tristan Wirfs at 89, Shaq Barrett at 88, and Chris Godwin at 81. What do you think of the placement of those players and what three Buccaneers do you think we're also going to see revealed tonight when you and I are done recording? Uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with any of the placement of any of the three Buccaneers that we already know about. Uh, like you said, worse 89, Shaq at 88, Godwin at 81. I think Shaq is, is seeing a little bit of a drop because of the drop in sack production. Although in the, in the highlight reel and the conversation they showed about, Sha- about Shaq, they did mention how, you know, he had the, the most pressures, quarterback pressures of any player in the NFL last year. Uh, so certainly deserving of being in the top 100. Tristan being 89, you got to love that. I mean, uh, talk about a young guy earning earning some respect across the league very quickly. And then Chris being 81. Uh, I think we still have Levante and Devin. And then there's a third guy in that range. I mean, I hesitate to say Mike Evans, but just because of like the, the, the super high number of, of production and touchdowns and stuff like that wasn't there last year. Um, and because of Chris Godwin, AB, maybe his his status kind of dipped a little bit. I don't know. I think that, you know, when you break a Randy Moss record, you should still be pretty high up there. But I mean, uh, good to see at least seven bucks, right, are going to be on this list. Because like you said, it's six in the top 40 or in the 40 to six or 40 to 100 range or whatever. 
Um, so at least seven guys because Brady's going to be in there somewhere. But so far, I mean, I like where the Buccaneers are landing. Now, when we did our prediction, you said you thought six total were going to make the list. I honestly don't remember. Uh, that does sound right. I, I thought I wrote it down somewhere. I tried looking for it, but I think, you know, we were right around the six or seven uh, range, each of us. Yeah, I had eight. I know I had eight. Uh, so I'm going to stick with still believing that that I got at least the number right. I don't love where Chris Godwin is. I don't love where Shaq is, but I get it because of their production drop off from the yeah. year before. Uh, so I'm not I'm not going to complain about that at all. The three that I think we see revealed after we're done recording Levante, David, Devin White. And I'm going to go ahead and say Jason Pierre Paul. I think I think all four Buccaneers linebackers are going to end up on this list. And, and I have no reason for thinking that I waffled between JPP and Ali Marpet. But what about Vita? What if what if Vita gained a lot of credit and respect around the uh, league for what he did when he came back? He could. But I think, I think he, he would be higher, though. I think he missed too much time. Yeah, he, yeah. he might be higher. You know, people talk about him as the most dominant nose tackle in the game right now. So and they've shown a lot of clips of Jason Pierre Paul. I think he might go ahead and sneak in and all four Buccaneers linebackers make this list. But we can talk about it tomorrow because, David, we are definitely out of time. Now that you're done listening to this show, make sure you check out Locked on bets. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. You can check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Send us your emails and voicemails, LockedOnBucksPodcast at gmail.com. 813-444-5841. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at Harris 82 and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, be good to each other. And thank you so much for joining us right